welcome to another fantastic, special, one-of-a-kind episode of The Sidelines. It is AP over here, and I've got the reins again, which is a unique experience for all, including myself. Uh, but I'm joined <laughs> by my main man, Takoto. What up? Hello, man. <laughs> I'm going well. How's things? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm on edge. Even though I know what I'm about to say, I'm still surprised. It's like a real unnervy take when you don't really know how you're going to drive uh, the episode. So here we are. Think of it as like your very first driving lesson. You don't quite know. You don't quite know how you're going to go, but you're all in. Uh, yeah, but I'd also learn how to drive in the Yeah, that's (laughs) backed up the trailer and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I suspect it's the same in every other like country or state. Like, if you don't grow up in in a city, you're driving vehicles and motorbikes from a very young age. I gotta love it, but but no, look, I'm good. I'm excited to be here as always, mate. But how's things traveling your way? You ticking things over? Ah, things are good. Life's challenging sometimes, but life's also rewarding sometimes. You know, the general gist. The work is a drainer. Golf is a mistress that I struggle to tame and yet continue to keep coming back for more. Sorry. So, no. Oh, <laughs> so I wanted to touch on that because you mentioned it to me. So for those who were not in the conversation that Cordo and I had, which is everybody else, <laughs> Cordo, when he was uh, kicking the tires on, is golf something he should pursue? And I mentioned to him very early on that like, I think it's great but it is very frustrating. It's a game that is not possible to be perfect at. There's so yeah. many variables. You can hit your best shot. And it doesn't reward you. Uh, it is very much probably one of the worst spates a sports you can sign yourself up for from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Uh, for objectively, what is a walk and you go around and hit something? Uh, it's pretty <laughs> devastating. Uh but look, you alluded to this fact very quickly that you were feeling some emotions out there. Yes. And I am not a, uh, how do you say? I'm not one of those guys that contains his emotions well. <laughs> uh, it's just, and look, you've only just begun. It's a long journey. You have so many more depressing rounds left ahead of you. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and so like... In other sports, I'm guilty of flaming out badly. Like, I remember playing tennis uh, in high school and, like, throwing my racket as hard as I could at fences, smashing rackets, just cracking the sheets. I remember hurling cricket bats after getting out. I remember breaking an ice hockey stick, like, on my legs after... Actually, I don't even remember why. So I've had far more, like, volatile representations of rage in sporting arenas. This one's taken on, which I don't know if it's a sign of maturity or if it's gotten even darker. So what I've started doing is I've started like critiquing myself in the third person when things go wrong. And it's like, it's like muttering. So you've got a narrator or is it you? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, how would I say, I'm talking to myself in really derogatory way out loud, but slightly under my breath. Yeah, so history says that doesn't go great for golfing. Oh, I'm not <laughs> doing it all the time. It's just, you know, when the wheels fall off and like the quicksand of bad golf kicks in. 
Gol- golf is also one of the worst things, but when the wheels are off, it's very hard to find again. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's a long walk. You, you, you know, you can play with people, but objectively you are by yourself. You're by yourself. Yeah. And the only person who can console you through this is yourself. Yeah. And turns out they're not always in agreement on how to get back on track. It reminds me of like, say you're a teenager and you take your like dad's car on a Friday night for like a joyride while they're out to dinner. So at the time it's awesome and it lures you in with the excitement, but then you ding the car on a curb and you know, there's that inevitable, like once that happens, you're down the spiral. There's not a lot you can do to stop that, like that descent into carnage. (laughs) That's where it feels like I'm at. But it got to the point where, like, the other day I'm, like, hitting a shot and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course you'd hit it there, you fuckwit. Like, you know, like, I'm doing that. And then it's like, yeah, look at you with your, oh, and you're out of shape and your back's bad. Like, what do you expect? You can't, don't, you know, bring in your dreams. Your dreams are way too expensive for this game. Like, it's getting to that point where, and I think, like, the guys I was playing with, one of them was looking at me like, he needs some help. <laughs> Look, as I said, it's not always an enjoyable sport, but somehow there's this allure that on any random day you could piece it all together. Well, that's it. Like, there, I hit shots in between those holes where I just, like, I had some of my playing partners, like, giving me the middle finger going, oh, don't do that, you mother, you know, when I'm smoking bombs or hitting, like, approach, you know, like... My wedges were on fire, so I'm hitting these beautiful wedge shots from like 90, 95 out, landing right next to the pin, and they're just looking at me like, two holes ago, this dude topped four balls and put three in the water. Mm. Look, I maintain the best golfer in the world would probably be a Buddhist monk who goes, spends nine years in a monastery, and then comes out and gets like aggressive golf lessons. Yeah. I think they would. I think they would dominate. Yeah, that's a good that's, point. That's actually. my take. Yeah, but that's why Tiger's so good, because Tiger just seems so like, oh, yeah, all good. Yeah, but when you've been drilled from the age of negative seven, that yeah. your whole life is built around golf balls. Yeah, Tiger's like the American equivalent of like an indoctrinated Chinese Communist Party member. <laughs> yeah, it's real close. Real close. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what do you do? I'm loving it. Hey, at least I've stuck to it. That was my New Year's resolution, I think we talked about in an episode. And here I am. I'm still fizzing. I'm still addicted to the gear, which is a bad part. But I've actually, like, I've I've stuck to learning, watching tutorials, trying things, trying to get better. I'm not as obsessed as my brother-in-law. Shout out to Josh. Like, he's he wears a Sidelines podcast hat on half of his golf rounds. He's addicted. He's playing two or three times a week. He's getting lessons. He's a monster. What a gypsy. He's living the dream. Yeah. like, And he used to play for Australia. He used to play beach volleyball for Australia. So he's a big unit. So he, he looks like an objective lunatic on the golf course because he looks like Jaws in Happy Gilmore when he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I believe that club belongs to Mr. Gilmore. Like, he's got that vibe. Um, but he is hooked. Uh, anyway, I digress. Ah, oh. oh, that's right, mate. 
But look, I can premise that I have neither stuck to or maintained my yearly goals because I didn't set any. So here we are. <laughs> Come out, break even. <laughs> but outside of the golfing world, one other topic which I wanted to raise, which we talk about it a lot, but I want to ham it up again. The F1 Drive to Survive TV show is awesome. <laughs> it is flatly... I was impressed the first couple of seasons, but it's phenomenal. I just can I shock you? What? I haven't watched a new season yet. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about you. This is about. This is like a public service announcement. <laughs> so I've decided uh, that the Red Bull uh, team chief Christian. Jerry Halliwell's husband. He's just the best dude. He's just flatly the best dude. I love everything about him. He is a straight dick. Like yeah. he's just he's got real dickish attitude. But he wants to win. But he's also got like this bit of like cheeky flair. Like it's kind of like he's a bit like, oh yeah. Like it's something about him. I don't know what it is, but just something will pop up and one of the other car manufacturers will be like, Oh, we've got some new tech. And he's like Oh, look, I'm, he's like, I'm so impressed. That technology is great. Like, it's going to do wonders for the sport. Uh, by the way, I just let uh, FIA know about it. Just, it's nothing against you personally, but I think you're a rotten sheet. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that slimy corporate dick vibe, but he gets away with it. Oh, but he's not. It's, but he's, it's got not hell. Slimy. He's, oh, just, he's got such little man syndrome as well, because he's a little unit. I love him. I reckon he's but He's boss. married to Sporty Spice. No, Ginger Spice. Jerry Halliwell. Yep. Yep. So he's got yep. like that fuck off energy about him. No, but even some of the responses are like, oh, what did you make about this driver leaving or whatever? And he's just like, what are you asking me for? Why don't you go ask him? And you're like, yeah. I'll just he, Something about him. He makes a show because he's one of the main people that they're like, oh, you know, in season one or two. Yeah, he yeah. really... Pierre's results are not that great. Yeah, Pierre's really letting us down and uh, probably going to do something about it. Bang, Pierre Gasly, fired. (laughs) It's just, you know, Toto's a bit more like, again, I'm going to say some names. I don't care. I've warned you enough times that this is about the Formula One thing. Um, But Toto, who's the team chief of uh, Mercedes, he's just kind of like boring because he's just like, I've got half a billion dollar check. I can do what I want. But that's He's very attitude. Austrian. And it's just a, sort of a bit like, eh, you know. Yeah. Hasn't got much going on. The Ferrari guy, uh, different, because they're all just like clinging to the fact that they're Ferrari, which, I mean, I'd love to be clinging to Ferrari. I'd cling to any F1 manufacturer who let me run their team. But still, got to get around it. And, again, I'm going down the deep and dark path because I love this shit. And I know we talked about it last week. Yeah. But I think F1 has definitely, this doco has done a whole wonder for it. Because I'm even going to go. I'm going to go this year and I've never been to an F1 race, even though it's around the corner. So if you're the CEO of any sport right now and you're watching this doco get some absolute kudos, watch the doco. So, like, i got to pick a sport that I'm CEO of and I know that a doco will help lift my sport out of the doldrums? Yep, anything. I'm going, like, docos or anything, you're a CEO. Because the, F- the F1 guys, they've nailed it. They've completely nailed a sport that is 
to be honest, not very accessible for anybody in the world. Yeah, that's true. Well, and it got boring. And, and actually, what they have managed to do is they've managed to completely take control of the narrative that only this rich team dominates. They've managed yeah. to make you watch a documentary where you already know the results and you're still somehow excited and you don't know what's going to happen. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I'd probably do it for rugby union or rugby league. Two Ooh. sports that are fading. Well, Union heavily fading. Rugby League, because it's probably got more content worthy, but only because I feel like an off-field doco on what really goes on in those joints behind closed doors is A-grade entertaining TV. Yep, I'll pay that. With all the carnage that happens off-field. I mean, it's basically like TMZ and The Last Dance mashed together. It's what I think a league or rugby league or rugby union documentary would be. So I used I, to love the NHL 24-7 that they used to do. Well, maybe they still do it, but I remember watching those years ago. And that was kind of last dancey drive to survive Um, I don't know if you ever saw the clip, but famously they the Philadelphia Flyers had this goalie, Ilya Brizgalov, who was this Russian dude, and he was a weird unit. Like, I love me was, some Brizgalov. Love him. And like, well, he, 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 that was like the first time I remember watching sports docos, like weekly episodes where they did the proper behind the scenes stuff and they actually talked about like contracts. So you had GMs going like, he's just a this, we're probably going to let him go. It had that element, which was the first time I'd seen that. But then you had like weird cats becoming famous because they're weird cats. And like Ilya Brizgalov, the goalie, who was on very good money, has this famous interview, which for anyone listening, go and type in Ilya, I-L-Y-A, Brizgalov, B-R-Y-Z-G-A-L-O-V maybe. Anyway, Philadelphia Flyers goalie. And they're talking to him and he's like, I think they just asked him like, what do you do in your free time? And he just goes like, man, I'm like really into like the universe right now. Like just really think about like Earth and like how tiny we are in like galaxy. And can you imagine we like wake up and we like worry about like problems in life when we're like this small. <laughs> like, so he just goes on this full tapped out tirade about like <laughs> the galaxy and the universe. So then you got to see, you know, like the week later, the episode had come out and his teammates are just going hard in the paint, giving him shit, calling him a spooky unit. <laughs> so I think that could translate into any sport. How about yep. you? I've got two very controversial. Actually, one's not controversial. One's just factually good. Mm -hmm. The other one's definitely controversial. So the first one, I think... For the most part, boxing. Bo and boxing does the best docos, but they just completely wrecked everything. They've wrecked the sport because yeah. they just don't know how to bring it all together. That's all they need to do. If they just can bring it all in together, because it is awesome. Like Boxing yes. is just flat awesome. It's pr awesome to watch on TV when they do that thing and... You know, they're at, we're at the MGM ground here in Las Vegas and then they cut to the crowd and like Tom Brady's there and some other one. Like Bradley Cooper's always there and he's always got a flat peak hat 
and Marky Marks at the other corner. And it's just cool. Like, there's just something about it. There's just a, it's an air that's different. Yeah. So I think they would, like, they do great docos, but it's more about probably the structure of how they do that probably would be the one to change. But yeah. my main one, which ironically enough is, in my opinion, the origination of all the drama, WWE. <laughs> yeah. Because when you think about it, every once everyone, not everyone, but there was like a behind the curtains when everyone kind of clicked on that maybe this isn't that real. <laughs> <laughs> There's that moment when everyone goes and people who watch it go, why is everyone watching it? It's what that doesn't mean. He didn't punch him. And so everyone goes through this thing and like, this is stupid. But then it's still going. Crowds are massive. And yeah. a lot of it's just built off like that. They've got that weird TV showy drama thing. Like they know that the winner's already going to be known who's a winner, but they're watching something and they're like, oh, he hates him. Oh, he yeah. totally like backstabbed him like three weeks ago at Raw. Like yeah. what a dick. Like it's just, and it's all played up, but it's just the best. So I think if they, like they do the ridiculous drama well, but if they could somehow do some loosely more serious drama in there, I think it would absolutely nail it. Yeah. So you're talking like genuine wrestlers because wrestlers genuinely hate each other behind closed doors. Cause I mean, A, they're all roided up, but B like it's such a ruthless cutthroat industry. So you want to see that combo of the cutthroat business side, but also the genuine dislike for each other side and how that then plays out when people are going to go out and effectively perform and maintain the integrity of their performance. Oh, I think it could be everything. I'd pay to see that because one of the coolest docos I've seen is, and look, I'm a wrestling nut. I've, I've lost it a little bit the last few years because it's become a very like, it's becoming a bit of a like Disney style product now. It, I, I loved wrestling back in the day when I was a kid. I also loved it as a teenager when it was like peak Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker. I loved that. And I'm not ashamed to admit it, that even though I knew it was fake, I still just got so fizzed when he heard the music of the wrestler drop at a critical moment. You know, like the guy that you love, He's getting bullied by the bad guys. Now there's five of the bad guys in the ring. Oh, no. He's on the floor. They're hitting him with chairs. What's going to happen? Stone Cold Steve Austin's music drops. And out comes him. And then you had Jim Ross, the commentator, like the Texan guy, that just had one of the greatest sports commentary voices ever. He hyped it up. The music hyped it up. The crowds go nuts. And he comes in and just clears house and just messes everyone up with fists, even though the fights go for 30 minutes and they throw 100 fists <laughs> and it doesn't do anything. But all of a sudden, these fists do serve the justice. Yeah, they do everything. Like the, I love that stuff. The, the thing that's always funny is like everybody in the crowd can see the guy, makes noise. <laughs> the song comes on. The five guys who are punching the one in the ring haven't heard it. It's just like, oh my God, that's him. That's his song. What's he yeah. doing? And then yeah. I was just like, he's there. He's, he's probably 150 meters away from you. If you you've got heaps of time. You can, yeah. You can get exactly. him now. Yeah. Or you've got enough time to flee the ring elsewhere into the crowd. And suddenly well, he's in there and everyone's still, and then it's like shock, shock horror. 
Yeah, and that that is the payoff as well. The bad guys' faces when they turn to see the hero storming down the ring. They're like, oh, oh my god! Like, and then you got Jim Ross doing. He's like, oh my god, he is coming down. Like, where it's like Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's like, the Texas rattlesnake. He is here to dish out justice. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I loved it, but yeah, that doco. I totally went off a tangent there. But there was a doco on Brett the Hitman Hart. Great name. Same surname as me. Told a lot of kids at my school that he was my uncle. Clearly not true, but I dined off that for years. He famously was negotiating with Vince McMahon, who's the actual owner of the WWE, but then inserted himself as the bad guy owner in, like, the wrestling performances, which was a stroke of genius. It worked out brilliantly. Yeah. So he elevated his product because he is the owner. He's a super smart businessman, but then created a character of the evil owner that's always trying to screw over the heroes. And the crowd loved it. Um, Brett the Hitman Hart wanted to leave, go to WCW, which was the rival thing in the 90s. They're like main rival. Hulk Hogan had already gone there, so like WCW was fizzing. They ended up they ended up joining, didn't they? Yeah, well, uh, Vince McMahon bought WCW when the wheels started to fall off. Um, anyway, there's this docker because Brett Hitman has negotiating. Vince doesn't want to pay him the money that he wants, so he then takes a deal with WCW for some nuts amount of cash. But he was a champion at the time. And Vince wanted him to give up the title at this event in Montreal. Brett the Hitman Hart was from Montreal and he didn't want to do it. So classic like executive move, like stuff you. I'm going to make you lose on your home arena where the crowd is all there to see you. He said, nah, can we do it like tomorrow night at the next event? And he apparently had agreed and said, yeah, okay, fine. Anyway, they're doing the fight against Sean, the heartbreak kid, Michaels. (laughs) (laughs) You can see how much I love this. Um, they're doing the fight. Some shit goes down. He's doing a, like, Sean Michaels is doing, like, a move on Brett the Hitman Hart. Um, oh, that's right. He was doing Brett the Hitman Hart's finisher on him. You know that classic, like, where the other guy does that dude's move on them uh, to yeah. try and win? And McMahon was down at the ring, and he actually, like, told the referee to just call it off and count that it was a three count or that he submitted. I can't remember the specifics, but he actually didn't. And so you see there's this amazing footage where Bret Hart gets up in the ring, and he's kind of looking around, and he sees Vince, and he figures out that he's been, like, screwed for real. Not like WWE screwed, but, like, genuinely. And he just hocks the biggest loogie in Vince's face and storms out of the ring. And for a while, people were like, oh, that's great theatre. And then this doco came out that showed that shit was, like, real. And then behind closed doors, he actually sucker-punched Vince McMahon in a room when they went to hash it out. So there's a doco about that. So that shit's cool. That's cool. And you see, like, they still have issues all these years later. See, real doco for something like it just works. 
I mean, look how fizzed up I got about that. I mean, like, we haven't even scratched the surface of some of WWE's great matches, like the Buried Alive match, where The Undertaker was buried alive <laughs> in a coffin. <laughs> and then the whole, like, oh my God, he's dead. And then, you know, like a week later, he rises and comes back into the ring, like... I don't know much, but I've got a feeling that our Instagram feed's suddenly going to be like top 10 WWF moments of all time, and there's going to be a countdown list going. Man, there was a fight. I can't remember who it was about, and it was a custody battle. So you had one wrestler and his kid, and the bad guy wrestler, and it was a custody battle fight, and the bad guy wins and gets custody of his kid. So you have this ludicrous scene of the little kid going, no, no, as the bad guy takes him away to be his father from now on. Oh. Uh. <laughs> That's what I want to see a duck of when they came up with that storyline and were like, we should do a custody match. Yeah, see, all that's like the actual writing room where they all sit down and do it and actually practice it all. Like, it would, because that's not what the, like, for those who don't know, the t- there's like a, I think they still do it. It's this weekly TV show, there's all this drama, and then there's actually the fight. Like, yeah, Raw, Monday um, Raw. And typically it's, all, it's always like these famous scenes. That you, you recall seeing where I remember seeing like I don't think it was Steve Austin. No, it was Steve Austin. A guy's walking in the supermarket just buying groceries. And Steve Austin <laughs> yeah, comes up yeah. and he's like smashing him with milk and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's all it's all like set up and then you know th- that sort of all leads into the drama <laughs> of the fire of the week. But how they actually go about writing it and this sort of stuff, I think it'd be actually pretty like in a weird way, a serious doco about WWF would go really well. Yeah, we okay, we've got to commit to it live on air. Please, can we do a WWE episode where I'll come to the table with all the hilarious shit that they've done in the past as storylines? I thought you were going to make us commentate while we watch a WWF one. That would be amazing. But, I mean, like, there's ones with, like, you know, Vince McMahon's in, he's in hospital, he's, like, going to have surgery. And then, like, he's like, oh, nurse, I'm in a lot of pain. And then you hear Stone Cold go, well, I don't give a shit. And then he's like, no. And he pulls the mask down and starts belting him with a bedpan. (laughs) (laughs) And yet you still sit there as a grown adult. And I'm like, that's some damn fine TV. (laughs) Uh, I think think we've unlocked that we're going to be digging... (laughs) Digging deep into WWF world. Oh, I've hijacked it. I'm sorry. You could just, uh, it's like I've been wanting to talk about this for years. <laughs> but look, I don't think that I can pick anything else. That is the one thing that I would do. WW, in a serious note, but I think both, they're both the boxing world, but there's no other ones I can really think of that would go that well. The AFL tried it and I just don't want to watch their doco. Oh, it's so boring. It's so try hard. It's like, oh, we saw the last dance. Let's do this. Nah. No good. Like I said, the only professional sports that also do it well are the UFC with the docos they do for each live event. And just because they get like Ron Perlman to narrate it. And we talked about it where he does the whole like, in an island next to Australia, it's a fighter. Israel Adesanya, you know, and then they'll show like clips of him like standing on the coast of New Zealand, like air punching out to the sea, you know, that kind of stuff. If you're a fighter and you don't have a scene where you're not air punching with an exotic background, you are not winning. That is just fact. Yeah, or if there's not a scene, if you're not had a rough upbringing and they show like footage of a car rolling down 
you know you know the classic the camera shot is like from a car's perspective going along the street of a shit neighborhood has to be done growing up man i came from a real hard upbringing man i'm hungry i'm hungry man like if it doesn't have that are you even a fighter so the AFL ones doesn't really work that well because there's very few that have had that rough upbringing. Yeah. But uh, it turns out I was a child prodigy by the age of 12 when I went to a public school and got the best <laughs> coaches in the uh, Australian <laughs> football fraternity. And Well, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mother and father did not live paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> oh, dear. Look, I'm gonna be. I am loving at the moment. It's um, maybe I get more cynical as I go on, but I love looking more into how brands are reinventing themselves. And look, this is very off track, but a great one is because uh, I love it because I'm a hella nerd. But the Lego TV show has there ever been a bigger marketing stroke for a toy company? Uh, the Transformers movie franchise. I stand corrected. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Or the animated cartoons based on... Oh, hang on. Yeah. They, the toys they were, in- were first and the cartoons came after. All right, look, let's backtrack. Well, we can't or include did the sh- cartoons come first and then they made the toys? No, it was in conjunction. Yeah. The okay. toys... So it's the same as like Pokemon and that. Okay, I forgot about those ones. Look, let's be fair. I didn't do, I did, I did do, I did do any research. I was just, just coming in hot. I've just, just crapped like, on your whole segment. Okay, but Lego was just... Like, yes. This is different. This is a. I'm going to give it a different layer. It's been a toy forever. Yeah, they did some weird. They've done like the movies and that kind of stuff, and I get that. But this is all late. But the reality show is just genius. Yeah, like people building Lego. And they always, they got like the greatest thing. Like, oh, it's so educational and zen and building problem solving techniques. Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's a a live Tarzo tournament TV show. Yeah, it's not like Nerf Gun are sponsoring the Nerf Gun shooting into your brother uh, reality TV show of the week. I would watch that. I probably would actually watch that too. (laughs) (laughs) I would watch that a lot, actually. I'm a sucker for those like Instagram TikToky videos where it's like some dad just loading up his Nerf Gun and just lighting up his like five-year-old kids as they flee from him, like through a lounge room. Yeah, and he's like got an air compressor on the side of it, and it's shooting at approximately <laughs> yeah. eight thousand bullets per second. And he's never going to pick him up. He's no got no qualms or issues that it's going to happen. But Lego, so like on that show, it's an it is an entertaining show. But there's something about like the reality is Lego, which is a Danish company, I'm pretty sure. Yep, they created a product that is so simple in concept, and yet such an in, like enduring thing. Yeah, That'll it's... never be replaced by tech. No. Kids you... will always love that shit. Yeah, the only thing that's going to stop kids playing it is the fact that it's at, what, 50 bucks a brick these days? That shit's spinning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will premise, I watch it. I... Uh... Yeah, you get would around watch me. it. You of course watch I do. It. I hate all the. I do hate all the reality TV tropes that still sneak their way into it. But uh, I also sit there and go, like with most things that I do, I watch the Lego thing. I'm like, I could build that. I could build that. I just don't have the time. I don't have the bricks. How am I supposed to? How am I supposed to build that shit without a thousand bricks, man? 
I had the big Lego pirate ship when I was a kid, and I love that thing. Like the big one. I got it for a Christmas. Absolutely overwhelmed by the scale of like what I had to craft. Did not again, much like my sports career, didn't have the patience to to build it. I think my dad like stayed up for like two nights straight putting it together for me. But that like unbelievable product. Oh. I had my big ones. I had a big castle and a big spaceship. Go on definitely off track. We're talking about WWF and Lego, so we're really just winding the clock back. But <laughs> damn, that shit was good. How good was Blockbuster Video? <laughs> <laughs> I miss looking at all the films in a go. There's no films coming out, so we got like we got no choice but to go retro. Look, I tell you what, it is a very true statement. There is not a lot of films coming out there. There's nothing, and the Oscars happened. And I didn't even know any of the films they were talking about. Normally, I at least know a few. I was like, what the hell are these things? Normally, you would only know about it because it'd be a big omission because there's some massive films. Everyone's like, how can the Academy just not include this once-in-a-lifetime film that is clearly awesome? Yeah. And they're just like, nah. They've also expanded it to so many awards. Next year, like, it's in big danger of, like, TikTok Oscars. You know what I mean? Like, and the nomination for TikTok is, you know, Square Dragon 68 for, oh, no, I put hair removal cream down my pants. Like, it's in real danger of that. The way the Olympics has got pretty much everything is now a sport. The battle to stay relevant, it is real. That's it. Never cave to the millennials. Just because they want it doesn't mean it's a good business idea going forward. Yeah, Q, you and I trying to craft ideas to keep millennials in <laughs> interested so he can make some side cash. And here I am pining over like 2004 WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I don't know if we've got much else left to this episode. We've wrapped up Lego and we've done WWF. Yeah, and we can't, like, you can't top discussing a scene that went to live TV where the real-life owner of the company was pretending to be an evil GM of the company, needing surgery, lying in a hospital bed, who then turns and asks the nurse or the doctor for an update, and hears the voice of his arch nemesis who then gets a metal bedpan and proceeds to beat the living piss out of him with it, excuse the pun, while he lies in a hospital bed. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> How do you top that? I feel like I've set you, I've set your night into motion where I'm expecting a text from you in like four <laughs> days. And I'm like, you've been all right, man. I haven't, everything okay. I haven't heard from you for a few days. And you're like, I have not stopped watching YouTube. Like, oh, you know, I, and I'm like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Like, I've seen it all. I've caught back up. As a guarantee, I will send you three YouTube links tonight. <laughs> I will go down the rabbit hole. I promise you I will send you three YouTube links of other such highlights. Might have to jump on the old sidelines Instagram and fizz a, a few through there. I think you owe it to the people love. to give some highlights. Yeah, I'll track some classics down. Um, there's all kinds of good ones. I mean, that's, we've just, we've barely scratched the surface. Oh, I know. All I'm right, excited man. for it. But no, Cordo, thank you for the expose <laughs> on WWF. <laughs> <laughs> and look, to everybody out there, 
thanks again for uh, listening. We are coming up very soon on a milestone episode, uh, which will be the big 5-0. So I'll be honest, this won't surprise a lot of people. We haven't really thought we're going to do yet, but we just know it's going to be big and we're going to go through a lot of stuff. So at the same time, if you've got any ideas, feel free to flick them our way. So that'd be great. <laughs> but look, as always, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Stay safe and thanks again, Cordo. My man, thank you.